Welcome. Once again, we're glad you're with us. As we continue on in our study that we're doing, we're working through the New Testament a chapter at a time. And um, we've been doing this over a year. And we, we're making good headway. We did, we've done the book of Matthew. We've done the book of Mark. We're now working through the book of John. Um, we skipped Luke. It's not that Luke doesn't count. We're going to come back to Luke. We're going to finish John. Then we're going to do Luke and Acts together. And then we'll get right into Paul's epistles. And it's really going to be exciting. And it, I think it takes five years to do the New Testament. And then 15 years to the Old Testament. And I teach from the beginning that my hope is to run through that whole thing twice. So that gives me 40 years of material to teach. <laughs> Should Jesus tarry? I got something to do for the next 39 or so. It's pretty good. <laughs> Should he tarry? Maybe he'll be back before then. That would be good. So um, we're working our way through. And as we work through the Gospels, um, John is is different in a lot of ways from Matthew, Mark, and as you'll see, Luke, where those three are fairly similar in the way they develop things and really sort of develop the ministry of Jesus from beginning to end. John doesn't really do that. Um, he kind of gives an overview of the ministry, and then um, he, he really moves us pretty quickly into um, the, uh, the last sort of, uh, of Jesus' ministry. We're reading a lot about these, these. We're leading up to the events of the final week rather quickly and the things that are happening now. And we've worked our way up to John 10. Um, in John 7, 8, and 9, sort of the theme of those three chapters that, that John presented was the idea of light and darkness and, and a morality um, based on those two uh, ends where, where Jesus came as the light of the world and, and introduced, again, a grace morality where people were, were valued and where he demonstrates the love of God for people and he brings that back up. The Pharisees, on their hand, their morality has become um, darkened by their legalism and they've lost all contact with God and they no longer care about people. And we looked at encounter after encounter where we see Jesus caring about people and the Pharisees not caring about them at all and that Jesus is pointing up these issues. Now, in, in the next three chapters, what, what, we, what, what we kind of see here is that in each of these three, 10, 11, and 12, um, Jesus will, will, will clearly demonstrate and claim who he is. And the Pharisees will reject him, and they'll just keep getting back to their plans to arrest him and kill him. And uh, you, you'll see it come up in each of the chapters. And um, Jesus claims his deity in each of these chapters. Um, the book of John is good for that um, whole place to see. Because some people will, um, in your encounters, when you talk about Jesus, some people like just to sort of write Jesus off as a good teacher, a good philosopher, uh, you know, a good guy. Um, and, and yet the problem is that, that Jesus claims to be God. And he does it a lot in the, in the Scripture, and he does it a lot in the book of John. And, and if he's not who he claims to be, then, then he can't be a good teacher, a good philosopher, a good guy, because he'd have been... You kind of run out of choice. You see, you're limited in your options if you try and take that track. Because if someone claims to be God and they're not, then, then either they're not right mentally or they're lying just for the sake of lying. Um, and, and there's not a whole lot of other options other than they are who they say they are, which is what we have in Jesus. And um, he is indeed the one that he claims to be. And so we'll see a lot of these claims in the next few chapters. And uh, I, I think they're very interesting. So let's go ahead and read John chapter 10. Um, I'll be reading it out loud. You can follow along in your notes or in your Bibles. And, uh, and then we'll just 
We'll hit a few highlights from there, and we'll go on from there. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 42. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. That verse is really good for all of us. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. At these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Then came the feast of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus was in the temple area walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many great miracles from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any of these, replied the Jews, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I have said you are gods? If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, what about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me as blasphemy because I said I am God's son? Do not believe me unless I do what my Father does. But if I do it, 
Even though you do not believe me, believe the miracles, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Again they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. Here he stayed, and many people came to him. They said, though John never performed a miraculous sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay, so in, in, this, in this chapter, and, and we'll see it again in chapter 11 and 12. There's this clear presentation um, by Jesus of who he is, which is followed by a rejection from the Pharisees and a renewed effort by them to kill Jesus. To uh, This time they, they picked up rocks. They were going to try and stone him. But he's obviously not a good target because he slips out of there. Um, and note in the verses, uh, because I, I think I'm going to cover it, um, it's something you need to see. He says... I'm going to lay down my life of my own accord. No one will take it from me. I'll lay it down and I'll pick it back up. Now, they didn't understand, but but you need to know that he went. When he went to the cross, he went willingly. He could have continued to slip out of everybody's grasp. When when he allowed them to arrest him, it was because he allowed that to happen. When he allowed them to beat him and humiliate him and crucify him, it was because he allowed it to happen for our sake. And, and he could have stopped it at any time, but he didn't. You need to make sure you always remember that, that, that he went for you willingly to pay for our sin and, and that sin had to be dealt with. And you know, some people wonder, I heard someone talking the other day about what, what kind of God would, would you know, send his own son and do this. And um, I, I think they, they lose sight of how bad sin is and that, that sin, even in the Old Testament, to to cover sin, it was always a big mess. It required sacrifice and blood sacrifice, and, and it was a the the temple when it was operating in that method would have been a a graphically messy, horrible place um, because sin is like that. And and we never, I mean, uh, and we talk about grace and, and thank God for His grace, but never never take sin lightly. It was paid for at a tremendous price. And, and we're going to see that as we continue to talk about this, that um, it's because of the value that God has, the value you have to God, that he would do what he did. And we need to always have that in our minds as we, as we read through this stuff. So we hop into John 10, and Jesus uses the illustration of a sheep and a shepherd. Um, it's not uncommon, and, and it was done in the Old Testament, and you probably know the most famous one that most of us know about that illustration would be the 23rd Psalm, right? And, and it was used in that sense as a, a description of the relationship of God to his people. Just in case you haven't heard the psalm in a while, I've got it here. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love or mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house 
of the Lord forever. So we, we see the idea of uh, shepherd and sheep expressed in the psalm. Now, also in the Old Testament, we, we, we see the idea of a shepherd uh, being used as a, uh, in, for spiritual leadership, both good and bad. Um, in Jeremiah 23, I picked out just a few verses, one through four, that talks uh, about the false shepherds that end up over the, the, the sheep of God and then how, what he's going to do to deal with that. Woe to the shepherds, he says, who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend my people. Because you've scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and will bring them back to their pasture where they will be fruitful and increase in number. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them and they will no longer be afraid or terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. Now, as Jesus talks about this, this idea of um, the good shepherd, these would have been the images that would have sprung to the minds of the people of Israel. And don't think that the, the Pharisees didn't quickly understand that, um, that Jesus was saying they were not good shepherds um they got it right away that he was saying they were these type of false shepherds that didn't care about the sheep you see that's the point they they had ceased to care about the people of god and and we've seen that demonstrated in the last few chapters because we've seen how jesus really cares for the people and and always you know remember he he goes to the sinner and he never compromises with sin and yet he always treats the person as they are a person of value and worth. And, and to the point where he's ultimately ready to lay down their life for them. This was not happening with the religious leaders of the day. And so this, this huge contrast is, is sitting there. Jesus cares about the people. And the Pharisees, who are supposed to be caring about the people, don't care about the people at all. They care about themselves. And, and that's sort of the backdrop of this thing. So... Uh, he, he goes in in the first uh, six verses or so of John 10, and he, he begins to make this comparison. Now, um, in, in Israel, particularly at the time, the sheep weren't driven by dogs or, or um, moved along from the rear. They were led by a shepherd who was out in front of them. And the, um, the, she, the, the relationship was such that the sheep actually knew the shepherd's voice. They knew their shepherd's voice because he took care of them and he spent time with them and he was with them as they, they walked through this thing. Um, they got used to his voice and they would follow him. And it wasn't unusual for several flocks of sheep to end up in, in one sort of uh, protected area at night and spend the night there. And when it was time to go, the shepherd, they would leave one at a time and the shepherd would go, come on guys, let's go, basically. And his sheep would follow him and the other sheep wouldn't. And they would come out of the, the, the pen just that way, out of the, wherever they were protected. They would go to the voice that they knew, and they would, they would follow after him. If they didn't know the voice, they, they wouldn't follow along. And, and so the shepherd was there. He cared for them. He took care of them. And because they knew that he really did care about them, they knew his voice. And when he called, they came. Um, he, he's sort of making the point that the, the Pharisees, who, who what they said was they were the ones who who spoke for Moses with, with the law, um, um, what Jesus is saying is that the real sheep won't follow you. 
but but you're going to take the ones that really don't know the truth they'll they'll continue to move in your direction he goes on in, in verses 7 through 17 and um he he basically makes this comparison of the religious leaders to thieves and robbers uh he didn't hold back he told stuff in stories but the the guys who were intended to hear this stuff they heard it and he wasn't he had given them and continued to give them opportunities to respond if they knew his voice they could have responded but instead they they just refused to to grasp what was taking place in jesus and and so he he says that those people are just thieves and robbers but he has actually come to lay down his life for the sheep and again this just sets them apart dramatically jesus would lay down his life for sinners because he cared for them the Pharisees would never do that in a million years. Now, the Pharisees would put their lives on the line for their religious ideals, but they would never do it for some common person that was just sort of out there. They wouldn't have done it. They didn't care about it. They, they would make a stand every now and again for their religious ideals and forfeit their lives. They, they would even... Um, uh, enemies knew about the Sabbath and would come and they wouldn't fight. Um, that happened in in their history. Uh, there were things that they would do that um, they would be willing to stand for, but they had lost the idea that that it, it, they were to care about the people of God. They they were no longer shepherds that cared about the sheep. And Jesus was making this comparison, uh, and so he cared about the people, and they cared about their religious ideals, not about people. And we've seen it demonstrated in all those chapters where they just they just didn't see people as of having any value or worth. They were just concerned about who they were and what they were doing and what it was all to be. And so uh, you need to see those points. Jesus loves the sheep and was willing to give his life for them. And then in, in verses 18 through 30, um, he, he begins in this chapter to make these claims again that he and God are one. In fact, that he is God. And, and I think it's funny that in verse 24, the religious leaders, they ask him point blank, listen, if you're the Christ, tell us plainly. And you, I, I kind of wonder if he's got to go, wow. <laughs> you know, because his disciples ask him questions like that. Now, this is the religious leaders. And they're like, okay, if you're the Christ, tell us plainly. And in verse 30, he actually says, I and the Father are one. He, he, it's very hard to get any more plain than he got. And when he tells them, when he answers their question, you know what they do? They pick up rocks to stone him. They don't want to hear the truth. They demand the truth. They ask for the truth. He tells them the truth. That's not what they want to hear. And so they pick up rocks to kill him. And so this is the process, and you'll see it in, in the other chapters. And, and so in, in 31 through 42, they, they continue to refuse to believe the truth. And they accuse him of blasphemy. And in verse 38, if somebody starts saying to you that, that they don't believe, you know, that Jesus was indeed God, um, what the Jews... The Jews got it. The religious leaders, that's what he used for the term Jews. He says, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. That's why they were trying to kill him. Jesus made the claim. They heard the claim. They didn't believe it. But Jesus claimed just that. That's what this whole process is. It's laying out there. And his response, I think, is interesting. Because he quotes from the 82nd Psalm. And, and, uh, uh, he, he, and you had to look at this because the, the Psalm says... I said, you are gods, little g gods. You are all sons of the Most High. And Jesus is using this verse 
to demonstrate, because he goes on and explains it, that in him um, we can have eternal life. And, and in that process, we become the sons of God. And that's what that means uh, in the process. We don't become God, but we become the sons, the, the children. We are his children now. And, and we, in that process, inherit eternal life. Uh, Peter, uh, in, in 1 Peter 1.23, he, he said it this way, uh, You have been born again by means of the living word of God. His word lasts forever. You were not born again from a seed that will die. You were born from a seed that can't die. We, we enter into this eternal life with Christ, and we have life forever with God. And, and, and this is the thing that, that Jesus is, is making in that point, uh, in the process. And the Pharisees, see, they'd lost touch with God to the point that they, they had lost the concept of what relationship with God looked like. And so they, they couldn't imagine that God could care enough for human beings to become a man in order to bring us to himself. See, that, that, that was their stumbling. That's where they couldn't go. They, they, just, they, they couldn't believe that they had lost the idea that that's how much God cared about people. And so when Jesus came and presented who he was, said who he was clearly, backed it up with the miracles, and, and, and continued to show them what it looked like to love people, which is what God wanted, it was just so far outside their box that they couldn't deal with it. And so the Pharisees, they, they continue to try and, and arrest Jesus, they're continuing trying to, to kill Jesus, but all the while, lots of people do hear Jesus, and it says then they believed in him. See, he was, he was showing that the sheep, See, the true sheep hear the voice of God in Jesus, and they respond to it. And, and that's how that, that chapter ends. And it's a, it's a picture, that last verse is a picture of, of the true sheep hearing the voice of God in Jesus and following and believing. And so that's what we have in, in uh, John chapter 10. And next week, we're going to get into John chapter 11, and uh, so you can be ready for that. But uh, if you're watching my video, thanks for watching. And if you have any, uh, uh, need anything, call us, email us, write us. Uh, if you're up in Williston with the group, God bless you guys. Pam, Scott, Dave, Cindy, everybody else. We, uh, we love you. We'll see you soon. Okay, um, you can shut down the video. If somebody would go upstairs and do that. I don't think anybody's up there, Doug. Shut it off for me. And if you have prayer requests here, why don't you pass them up to me, and I will pray for you.